The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Okay, so we're on step six tonight. Just kind of a recap. I'm not going to fully recap, but because it's so important for anyone new, you know, tonight we're going to talk a lot about God. You know, it's going to probably seem like this is a fucking Bible study or something, but the reality of this disease is, is if God's a theory in your recovery, you're fucking going to drink, right? So hopefully you can like just kind of tune in to like what we're doing. That's why I prayed for an open mind because the closed mindedness and our old ideas and judgments and fucking fears that'll block us out from, you know, God. And like I always say in my sharing and in the rooms, I say, if God's only a theory, you're fucked. Right. And a lot of people use God only as a theory, especially in the first year recovery. And it's easy to do that. And then when you get into your second and third year recovery, you start running the show yourself again, and then you drink, and then all bets are off. Um, my job, I think, is really to try to, like, really try to help you understand to use God as not a theory. And how can you really get close to God? And when I say God, I don't mean, like, the guy up in the sky. I mean whatever the fuck it is for you. But really, God exists within us. And really, step six is about finding the God that exists within us. And I'm going to bounce around the literature a little bit here just to kind of pound home that fact. I'm going to bounce into step two, 12 and 12, page 32, second last page. Just kind of punch home a couple things. So on the first full paragraph... It talks about to clergymen, doctors, friends, and families, the alcoholic who means well and tries hard is a heartbreaking riddle. And we know many of those people, right? The people who try hard and they mean well. They're a heartbreaking riddle and they just can't fucking get it. And we watch them all the time. They're all around us, right? To most AAs, he is not. There are too many of us who have been just like him. 
for we have found the riddle's answer. And if you know, right, a riddle doesn't have an answer. But they're saying they found an answer. This has to do with the quality of faith rather than its quantity. So that is like taking God from theoretical to fucking quality, to using God actually in our days, in our days march moment by moment. This has been our blind spot, a spot that we can't see, right? And that's the difference between going through your life, living with the best of intention and not understanding motive. If you just live your recovery in your life with the best of intention, the blind spot is your motive. You don't really see the motive and the motive is most important because that's my, that's my will. I can think I'm doing God's will with the best of intention, but once I peel back the motive, which is the blind spot, then I can see for real. And honestly, when you uncover the blind spot, that's the mini spiritual awakening. That's like the the spiritual experience that makes up spiritual awakenings. Because what is the spiritual awakening? Well, it's little tiny profound alterations in the way that you think and see things. So once we start learning how to step away from self-seeing it, we fucking have a little mini spiritual experience. And over time, you add those all up and it turns into the spiritual awakening. And the more that you do that, the more that you get closer to God, the more that you level up, the more that you won't want to drink, right? We supposed we had been serious about religious practices when upon honest appraisal, we had found we had only been superficial. And that's a really important one. You know, a lot of people like I, I'm really into my spiritual practices, but do an honest appraisal of your spiritual practices. Are you being superficial? Or are you being fucking serious about it? Right. I know that it's easy once you get like a few months in recovery. Oh, I'm just going to say my prayers. I say a quick prayer because I'm supposed to. I get out the fucking door and that's it. Right. And. We don't really think about God again. We don't really think about our character building or what other people. We just kind of get on with the business of being self-satisfied, run our lives again, come home and fucking do nothing. Maybe we'll pray if we're not, you know, interfered by Netflix. Fuck, Netflix is on. Fuck, fuck my prayers, right? That's kind of how it goes, right? But when you first start this shit, you're like serious because your life's on the line. But as you start feeling better, you start thinking that you're not sick. That's the thing is what happens to people. You feel better, so you think you are better. Just be careful because the better that you think you feel, you may be on your way back to a fucking drink and not even know it. So it's really important to like look at our disciplines. What am I fucking doing? Am I doing them even? Because we'll start slighting them and not wanting to really do them at all. Um, or going to the other extreme, had we wallowed in emotionalism and had mistaken it for true religious feeling? So many fucking people do that. God, please help me. Just help me. I'm fucking, help me. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. That's wallowing in emotionalism. That is not true religious meaning. But because we're so invested in our own self-pity and our own morbid reflection, we're just begging God and think that we're all tied into God. But it's all self. That is all self, which is why we get no results from it. Um, in both cases, we had been asking something for nothing. The fact was that we hadn't really cleaned house so that the grace of God could enter and spell the obsession. That's important. I have to clean house. 
in order for the grace of God to actually even begin to do what he needs to do. And cleaning house starts in step four. The grace of God sobriety is typically your first three steps. And the grace of God sobriety can last even longer. And when I say the grace of God, when you understand what the grace of God, the term itself means, it means undeserved gift. And why is it the grace of God sobriety? Because you've fucking done nothing to earn it. And the grace of God sobriety will wear off. And typically, if you are praying and believing in God, it's a theoretical God and you're using it as an effective mental defense for a while, and the momentum of fellowship and early recovery carry you, but then it drops off, and then you're drunk, okay? So this is really important. No deeper, meaningful sense had we ever taken stock of ourselves. That's what we're doing in step six. In a deep and meaningful sense, we start taking stock of ourselves. You know, when we do a step four... I know for me, I was like fucking for really, I was serious. I was into my step four and I wanted to fucking get well. And I knew that step four was the answer, was the beginning of the answer. And no one told me, I didn't read the literature, I didn't understand it. But I knew in my heart that the step four was important. And once I realized I actually drink and use drugs because of other reasons, and it started revealing itself in the four, it was like a huge weight lifted off of me. And I love the line in the step four. It said we had to get down to causes and conditions. Why do I drink? Because of causes and conditions. And it talks about in that step four, a business that takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Yeah, I was fucking broke, man. I was emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually fucking bankrupt. And for me, I was actually financially bankrupt too. So a business which takes no regular inventory, we have to take regular inventory through our fucking lives of recovery. And at first it's like a, it's kind of a pain in the ass, right? It's like, fuck, why do I always got to do this? It's like, it gets annoying, especially in that second year-ish. It starts getting annoying, right? And especially when you're just trying to live and other people around you are constantly working the program, taking inventory, and you're just like, for fuck's sakes, can't we just live? No. You will live. You will live with vitality if you learn how to ingrain inventory into your life. Okay? It's really, really important. The only way to start understanding self is to take fucking inventory. And if you're not taking inventory, you'll just run on the best of intentions. You're going to hurt people, hurt yourself. And at some point down the road, you'll probably pick up a drink because you're running the fucking show. Any life run on our own self will will hardly be a success and we will pick up. And the the book talks about I succumb to the desire again. I fail to resist. Step one, powerlessness is no fucking joke. If you live in the spiritual malady, which is self, you will fucking drink eventually if you're the real deal. It's a fact. So, take stock of ourselves, made amends to those we had harmed or freely given to any other human being without demand or for reward. Demand or reward. We had not even prayed rightly. We had always said, grant me my wishes instead of thy will be done. The love of God and man we understood not at all. Therefore, we remain self-deceived and so incapable of receiving enough grace to restore us to sanity. And the beginning part of getting restored to sanity is me picking up a fucking drink, stone cold sober. How many times have we, we know what's, 
It's not good for us. We should stay the fuck away from it. And then at some point, it's like, fuck. It's a fucking pretty good idea to have a drink today. That's fucking insanity. So what we get restored to first for sanity is knowing I can't pick that up. I might have a thought that I want to, but the thought is fleeting and it's lost and I can move on with my fucking day. And that fucking thought of a drink is left behind and there's the sanity. And if I'm still living with an alcoholic mind, I'm still fighting this and I'm still going to think about that all fucking day. And it's, I know it's the worst idea in the morning when I get up and I might be able to resist it. But if that fucking spiritual malady is running my show by four o'clock in the afternoon, I know it's an hour before I'm off work. It's the best idea I ever fucking had. And then I'm fucking drinking again. And that is somebody who's not in fit spiritual condition. And there's a lot of people in the program that are always resisting the drink. I don't go to bars. I don't go to Christmas parties. I don't go here. I don't do this. You can do anything you fucking want in this world. If you have a relationship with God and you won't want to drink. And if you get the thought, it's fleeting and it's lost. And you can move on to the next moment of your life without fucking obsessing about that fucking liquid in here. And the liquid in the cup is only there, if you're not fit, to medicate the spiritual malady. But the problem with us by the time we get here is we can't drink, but we can't not drink. And if, for me to drink is to die, and for me to not drink is to die. So I need something. That's why God's so fucking important. I use God to get my comfort from. But for people that are new, some of this might not make sense, but whatever. It's where you're at. <laughs> Just trust me. Trust me. Okay, so from there, I'm going to flip to the next page on step three. Page 34 in the 12 and 12. Second paragraph. So step two is like an idea of God. When we start doing the step work, when we do step two, it's like, okay, am I going to believe in God? In the book, it talks about if I believe in God or if I'm even willing to believe in God, I can build a wonderfully effective spiritual structure upon the idea of God. But so I said the idea of God, the concept of God is not enough. That's where most people fucking stop. They do have a concept of God and they pray to it, but they don't actually know how to turn it over. That's where step three comes in. Okay? Step three is like, okay, I'm going to make a decision to turn it over. Step three isn't where you really turn it over though. But the literature kind of describes kind of what it is and what we're doing. We're trying to turn it over. That's what the step four, the five, the six, and the seven, and the eight, and the nine are for. Okay? But really why I highlight step six so much is because that is the willingness to actually turn it over. Okay? But I'm going to read this paragraph. Like all remaining steps, step three calls for affirmative action. For it is only by action that we can cut away the self-will which has always blocked the entry of God. The self-will that blocks the entry, we learn about in step four. We learn about the resentments, the fears, and the sex conduct. We learn in the fourth column of the resentments what our part is, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. We learn in the fear section of uh, what drives our life, actually. Almost every one of us, well, I will say not almost, every one of us in here is driven by a hundred forms of fear and self-delusion. You might not know it, but you are. And then when you do the relationship conduct, which is the most revealing part of the step four, 
you get to see the shit that you're doing that is actually fucking up your life, okay? The step four relationship conduct is so fucking revealing and important. And if you don't do a good one, you won't change the patterns because sex relation is so important in our, as a human being. The need for emotional security from other human beings is so important. And the need for companionship and the need for material security with a partner. So those four areas will drive the whole relationship conduct. And if we don't look at that shit, we will do ourselves a disservice. And we won't actually probably have the willingness to change over the next number of steps. And once we see that shit in the step four, hopefully we're working with a sponsor that's pretty good at identifying that shit so that when I'm saying out my step four to them, it's not I just do a, a fucking confession. For me to just sit here and read my step four to you and you, you don't do anything to me, I don't get the fucking value out of it. I need to know what's fucking up my life more than just writing it down. I can see a lot, but I need to talk with somebody so they can tell me, you're actually a piece of shit. You use women like crazy. You fucking use people like crazy. Look at all the people you are harming. You're very selfish, dishonest, and considerate. You fucking arouse jealousy, suspicion, and bitterness with all these people. Like, look, right back from junior high, right up till today, you're doing the same shit. And then I'm sitting there kind of taking the punches from my sponsor going, whoa, fuck. But I know it, right? I feel it inside. I'm like, holy fuck, I don't want to be like this. And honestly, if I don't change that behavior, I'll fucking drink again. So there's two things. I don't want to drink and I don't want to fucking be like that. And when you look at how bad I feel, I already knew how bad the things I was doing were. As I was doing them, I just blotted it out and didn't want to fucking acknowledge it. And part of that is everyone else is doing the same shit the same way anyway. So I get justified that way. But the thing is, you can't go against the God within you. You can't fucking go against God within you. Even though your mind might be able to rationalize that, you can't fucking rationalize your heart and your soul. So you just cover it up. And that is all the shit that blocks God. So I'm trying to cut away the self-will, all that other shit that's fucking up my life, that is blocking the entry of God. But God's already there. It's not really entering. It's already there. I'm just clearing off the channel. And I need that channel clear. So block the entry of God, or if you like, the higher power into our lives. Faith for sure is necessary, but faith alone can avail fuck all. The idea of God for sure is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. Faith without works is dead. Faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, it must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, which is what step six is, an unselfish constructive action. Service to other people. Okay. Therefore, our problems now become just how and by what specific means shall we be able to let him in? How do I let him in? Step three represents our first attempt to do this. This is the first time that I make an attempt to allow God to take my will and me do God's will. In fact, the whole effectiveness of the AA program will rest upon how well and earnestly you have tried to come to a decision. I'm going to reword it. 
In fact, the effectiveness of your whole fucking life will depend upon how well and earnestly you learn how to turn it over. And learning how to turn it over is the key. Step two is great concept. Now, how do I turn it over? First, I got to learn what it is that's fucking me up. That's step four and five. I'm going to quickly look at a piece of step five. In the 12 and 12, on page 58, middle of the page. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. And those who have made progress in AA amounts, here it is, to a clear recognition of what and who we really are. Step four shows you what and who you fucking really are. And through the process of learning some of these truths, it's humiliating and it's fucking painful. Part of that is in the step five because my sponsor is now fucking showing me in live action and I can't get away. And I'm humbled through the process of step five. So I get to see the truth though. And there's a lot of relief in the truth, right? There is. My pride and my ego get a little hurt because it doesn't, I always thought I was a certain kind of a person. But then when I look at this, I'm like, no, I'm actually this kind of a person. So I need to look at what and who I really am. And for anyone new, you know, we talk about selfish, self-centeredness is the root of our trouble. I didn't think that selfishness was the root of my trouble when I got here. And I'm pretty sure anyone who came into the program was like fuck offended at somebody saying you're selfish and self-centered. Because we all live our lives with the best of intention and none of us are selfish or self-centered. We're so giving and kind and modest. Right, especially the, the depressive ones and the ones who fucking always do shit for other people. They were like, fuck, I'm so giving and kind. But really, they're very selfish because it's all about them anyway. And learning this shit is like, it's eye-opening. But to somebody who thought they were like really kind and generous and always helping other people, avoiding conflict and never saying anything rude, to realize that not saying anything rude, they were just doing it because they didn't want to fucking get in anything with them but they could never speak their truth, which is half the reason why they were drunk. Admitting that shit is fucking humbling and painful. And, you know, admitting that, you know, we use women, we use the opposite sex, we use people, we use jobs, we use... Just using people is humbling, right? But coming in these realizations, there's kind of a relief in it because you're like, fuck, everyone wants to know how they work. You know, and we're not even in control of most of our fucking behaviors anyway. Right? But we think we are, and we're, society tells us to control yourself, control yourself. Fuck, good luck. Most of your behaviors are uncontrollable because they're, they're driven by the subconscious. The subconscious runs the show, and you can't even fucking see it anyway. But over time of doing what we do, the subconscious issues, they'll start coming up, and you can start dealing with that shit because that's the shit that really needs to be dealt with. That's the third column stuff in the resentments and essentially in the sex conduct, relationship conduct, but that takes time, okay? So anyway, uh, clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. Everyone wants to be their best, and we have the opportunity to do that. Therefore, our first practical move towards humility must consist of recognizing our deficiency. We're hard on ourselves, 
You know, I know a lot of people in the program say, no, be easy on yourself. Fucking look at your assets. No, it's talking about you got to be hard on yourself. There's a balance to the assets, yes. And we'll learn how to balance that nice part with us. But doing the inventory, we're supposed to be hard on ourselves. Especially in that first one and two years. Because if you don't fucking get that shit out of the way, it'll fucking take you back out. Where you start being like really lenient on yourself is working with your sponsor, getting some time in, learning how to fucking be good to yourself without being too light on yourself. Like there's a slogan that says, uh, take it easy. Yeah, you can take it easy, but don't take it too fucking easy. <laughs> but a lot of people will, right? And you go to these meetings like, you know, the G-Block. It's like, oh, just be nice to yourself. Just be nice to yourself. <laughs> like, you be nice to yourself too much, you're fucking drunk and high, right? You need to be held accountable. And, like, I've sponsored enough people and, like, you know, people know that I'm pretty hard-ass. What I've learned about sponsorship is most people want to be called out on their shit. They really honestly do, even though it hurts that at times. People want to be called out on their shit. And I think in many respects, that's why I've been so successful as a sponsor and as a, as a leader in the community because I'm not co-signing people's shit, right? You know, I had someone call me the other day I had given them 60 seconds of self-pity like a month ago and they called me with 10 minutes of self-pity. <laughs> and then I'm like, are you done? They're like, yeah. Do you got anything? I'm like, yeah. Right? And then I just fucking went into it, right? Balanced it with some kindness, but like, fuck, if we just stay there and if I co-sign their shit, they're not going to get anywhere. It just fucking makes it worse. Even though society says that's what you should do. Just be nice. Be gentle on them. Fuck no. You, you can do it with a loving and kind heart. But you don't fucking co-sign everybody's shit. But at some point, if they don't want to listen, it's like taking the horse to the water and grabbing their fucking neck and making them drink. If they don't want to drink it, they ain't drinking it. And you just got to let them fucking dry of fucking dehydration then. The thing with this disease is you actually die, right? You actually will die. So, you know, all of us in here at some point when we first came in, we didn't want to hear the fucking truth from people. But we learned how to and we actually appreciate it, right? We do appreciate it. Does anyone want to talk or say something about that? Like appreciating the truth sometimes? Go ahead. And, and a lot of it's the love the love energy behind the voice too, right? Like you and your sponsor have been working together a long time. You know he's not giving you shit because he's fucking having a bad day and just wants to give you shit. He's probably giving you shit because you fucking need it, right? Typically. You might leave and go, what a piece of shit. I wasn't fucking, I didn't need that today. But then later when you're at home thinking by yourself, you're like, fuck, yeah, I did need that. And he is right, right? Anyone else? I know sometimes, like, I just don't know, right? Like, I don't understand, and then, like, you know, I'll hear something or someone will say something, and, and the instinct is to, like, my ego will get in the way, and I'll get, like, a little defensive, but, like, the more I go through this stuff and the more I hear it and, and experience it, the easier it is for me to kind of go, okay, I did say that, or I did, you know, like, 
you know, and kind of accept it for what it is, mm -hmm. right? And, and put my my shit to the side a little bit because I'm still learning. Like, I don't know all the time, right? And I, I do need to hear that shit. And I think the benefit of you being able to hear that is you know your sponsor loves you and they're not trying to get anything from you. Yeah. And that is really important, yeah. right? Damon? Yeah, I was thinking about what you said about uh, be kind to yourself or, you know, talk kind to yourself, but dig in and do the fucking work, but talk kind to yourself. Don't call yourself a fucking idiot and, you know, I'm a retard and stuff like that because that's kind of what a lot of people Good say. point. Be kind to yourself, right? But talk kind to yourself, but do the fucking work, right? 10-4. Good point, bro. I think, you know, <clears throat> um, some, whenever we want to ask a question, we either want to validate it or we want the truth. Know where to go to get the truth, and the truth is going to take give us some licks. You know? You're going to get beat up, and uh, but we all know when we ask that question if we really want the truth, mm -hmm. and then we go where we need to go. And sometimes you'll go to the easier, softer person that's on step <laughs> fucking four. <laughs> No, I agree. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. I like one, go, go ahead. I feel like what you said described me. Like the kind person, because that's, that's how I thought of myself. And I really didn't, like, when something was bothering me, I never, ever, and I still don't. There's sometimes, there's some incident, instant, instances that I don't say what's up, right? Because there's, and there's some certain conversations that I was just like, I should have spoke up. Right on how I was feeling, because now I'm just like, why would you not say anything that the way you're feeling? Why wouldn't you do that? So that that what you just just described there about that person that's being kind and stuff, I didn't know that until like just now. I was just like, that's that's me to the T right now. So it is kind of humbling. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yep, building the relationship, building the trust and using love and not all calling someone out has to be done with aggressive tone, right? It can be done with a firm tone, with a with not even a firm tone, like a fucking soft tone and still call them out. And no matter how you do it, it is important to do as a sponsor and be able to take that as a sponsee. It's, it's totally pertinent to growth in this program. Yeah, and... With us, like us alcoholics and addicts, like the thing that you say could save their fucking life. Although you don't really know that or like there's no way to prove these things, right? Like if like one of my sponsees came to me and he just finished his 12 steps, he's three months sober and he's like, hey, I'm going to go get in a relationship with this chick. And I think it's a terrible idea, but he's built that trust and he, you know, maybe he's been around for a while and couldn't get sober. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. And I really tell them why. Who knows? You know, most relapses and deaths, in my opinion, are based on the opposite sex. The person gets in a relationship too early, self's there, they relapse, and then they're dead in the fucking, their partner's fucking bathroom. Right? You never know. Right? So for us, this stuff is life and death. Right? Yeah, it could save a normal person three counseling sessions, but it could save us our fucking lives. It can be the difference between a person being able to parent their kids forever or not, right? So it's life and death business what we're doing here. Anyway, so we'll just finish off this paragraph. 
Therefore, the first practical move towards humility must consist of recognizing our deficiencies. We have to see them. No defect can be corrected unless we clearly see what it is. But we shall have to do more than just see. So I can see it in my four and my five. I can get it shown to me, but I have to do more than just see it. That's the essence of step six. And as you stay sober longer, they get harder to fucking spot. Right? In the step four, it says... uh, We're on page 58. But they just get harder to spot. We consider it's common manifestations. We see the common shit, but what about the more uncommon shit? The uncommon shit reveals itself over time. Ascertaining in a rough way what the trouble is, you know, that's a rough way what we're looking at. What about the deeper than rough shit? That takes more time, right? So as you stay sober longer, you, you got to get more diligent because self kind of gets a little more sneaky and it bleeds itself back into your life. The objective look at ourselves achieved in step four was, after all, only a look. All of us were beset at times by attacks of self-pity or delusions of personal grandeur. But while it was a humiliating experience, it didn't necessarily mean that we had acquired any much actual humility. Though now recognize our defects, which are still there, something had to be done about them. And we soon found that we could not wish or will them away by ourselves. So I'll end there. That is the essence of six. You can't will or wish this shit away by yourself. You can't fucking change it with your fucked up mind. We have to have God's help. So we are going to get into the step six. We'll do the first page and then we'll take a break. I did do this first page, most of it last week, but we'll do it again quickly. So step six is essentially, it is turning your will and your life over to the care of God. Step six is the pain of fucking learning how to turn it over. I've talked about humility. It talked about the humiliating experience on that last piece I just read. There's three levels of humility. There's humiliation, humble through pain, and a desire to seek and do God's will. Okay. Step six is the lower two of the humility chain. Through the fucking humiliation and the pain, you fucking learn and you get to this other level of humility, which is essentially step seven. Step seven humility is in its entirety is surrender to God. It is a desire to seek and do God's will. Step six is I'm fucking trying and it's fucking hard. Like Janine just said, that pain That's step six humility. Most of our early recovery is step six humility because we have patterns in our whole life based through, you know, ingrained in our life since we were kids and trying to undo those things, the things that we think are right that actually cause our failure that we learned to undo that is really fucking hard. But it takes, that's the difference between the fucking man and the boy. The man's going to fucking try his ass off hard and the fucking boy's just going to fucking say fuck it and do what he's always done. The thing about the fucking man and the boy is the man will stay sober and the boy will be drunk. And the other thing about the man and the boy is the man is like five people out of a hundred maybe that'll do that. The 95 other guys will be the boy because it's so 
easy to do what's easy. And if you do what's easy, you make your life fucking hard. But it's easy, and it seems easy, and it seems like you're missing out on something now. And when everyone else is doing that, you want to do that too, right? So doing what's hard takes fucking commitment. It takes working a high-level program. And it's important to kind of get there and understand that. I don't think that really the programs or the rooms in general really do a good job at emphasizing what I'm talking about, right? Which is another reason why I say I have good success. And, you know, you can see a change in the fellowship. Like a lot of people are doing better because of like stuff like this and like people like Barb and people like, you know, Sam and Janine and fucking Michael who are fucking doing this at a higher level. And we will all be there, right? And then that's the fellowship of the spirit. As we keep fucking doing this shit and other people are fucking around, that's okay, they can fuck around, but we don't, right? And sometimes we will fuck around. As long as you don't drink and you're willing to fucking change, you'll change. And like I never hold anyone to an old behavior and judge them based on something old because I've seen the worst people change into the best people in this program. But my old brain says, ah, fuck, that guy will never change. I always got to be fucking, you know, open-minded enough to know that some people really do want this and I can't see to what level. And some of my judgments might not be the truth of what I think they're doing. But then I'll run into them three years later and they're a totally different person fucking leveling up. And, and I was like, holy fuck, I can't believe that guy's not fucking newcomers anymore or fucking whatever, right? <laughs> Toby? What are the three types of humiliations you were saying? Humility. Humility. Humiliation. Humbling through pain. And a desire to seek and do God's will. And so I'll just tie something else into that that's really important. In the beginning of the big book study on the second page on the doctor's opinion, I read we work out our solution on the spiritual and altruistic plane. So the solution for our lives lies within the spiritual and altruistic plane. Altruism ties into that humility. When I start doing altruism, I'm doing it purely selfish out of, for my own need to stay alive. I don't want to do it really. So I do acts of altruism, so it's not actually altruistic. But then after a while, after I do these acts of altruism, like being nice to people or trying or being of service, but there's always a motive of selfishness there. And then later, as I grow in this a little bit, I get to the next level of altruism where, okay, now I'm doing it because I want to feel good. So I started realizing that I feel good when I do these things for other people. And sometimes when I feel like shit, it's like, okay, I need to work with somebody because I feel like shit. Well, that's better than how it started. But there's still a selfish component, so it's actually by definition not altruism yet. Because the definition of altruism is, is unselfishly devoting oneself to the welfare, happiness, and well-being of others without reservation. So as you keep doing the altruistic actions and you grow up this, this chain of altruism, you get to the point where you do altruism without thinking about it, without reservation. And that is the same as the high level of humility, a desire to seek and do God's will. And you will see in this first page of the step six, you know, it talks about without reservation. Surrender to God where you're fucking living your life is like you don't think about what you're going to lose or what you're not going to get before you help somebody. Most people are going to be like, okay, I got to go help this person. But fuck, I got all this shit to do. 
And then they call him back and say, yeah, I'll come and help you. So there's reservation there, right? So down the road, it's like, okay, someone asked for your help and it's just like, you just go and help and there's no reservation. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to have an easy piece of tail and she comes to me and early in my journey through step six, there'd be a reservation. I'd be like, fuck, no one would know. Right? But I'm not going to. No, I'm going to take the high road. Sorry, I can't help you out, Missy. And so there's reservation there, right? But down the road, as you learn through the pain, maybe, maybe at some point I do say something and I'm like, yeah, okay, let's fucking do this. And then fucking there's the pain and humiliation because I'll be fucked. The pain's coming. I have to tell my sponsor or somebody finds out because she's got a sponsor and then the fucking word gets out and I'm fucking humiliated and I learn through the fucking pain. So that, that'll happen. But then down the road, that happens and it's just like I recoil as from a hot flame. I don't even fucking think about it. Why? And it's not even really about me. It's because I don't want to fucking interfere with her life, right? My very thought of others has to be at the core of what I'm doing. That is real altruism. Like I'm doing it for her, not even for me and what I'm not going to get. Not even for me and the pain I might suffer. It becomes like, no, I'm not going to do that because it ain't right. Right? And I'm friends with tons of women in the program and it's just, I'm just friends with them and like it's not, there's nothing like that, right? So it's like, you know, in many respects I've gone there. Am, am I perfect at it? Are my thoughts always fucking pure? Fuck, I don't think so. <laughs> but, no. But, compared, compared, what did you say? Yes, right? Exactly. Well, like we'll read, there's always desires that oppose the grace of God. So, on that fucking note. <laughs> Some of the shit I say, hey. I fucking go. And my daughter's right here. <laughs> But she's a mini version of me, so she's probably like, fuck, I get it, Dad. (laughs) You're in trouble now, Dad. (laughs) Okay, so let's read. Page 63 and 12 and 12. So this step, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. This is the step that separates the men from the boys, so declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of AA's greatest friends. He goes on to explain that any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly step six on all his faults without any reservations whatever has indeed come a long way spiritually and therefore is entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. So if you're underlining or highlighting, I would really suggest highlighting going from any person capable right down to um, a long way spiritually. You could do more than that, but I think stop at spiritually because I want to say something about that piece that you would highlight or underline. So as we go into this like step six work, the step three decision in live action Any person, uh, what is it? 
Any person capable of enough willingness and honesty. So like it said at the, in that step five reading, I got to be aware first, right? I got to be able to see what it is. If I don't see what it is, then I can't be willing to change it. So going through your step four and your five and seeing the shit that's actually fucking up your life is really important. So that when you fucking see it, you can fucking be willing to change it. So any person capable of enough willingness to see it. And then now the real willingness is fucking doing something about it. And honesty. We talk about honesty, rigorous honesty. Because we've rationalized and justified our whole fucking lives to the point we've gotten here. So rigorous honesty means accurate. Because we can all lie to ourselves easy, which is part of the reason we use sponsors, right? Because any one of us here can rationalize and justify the most errant nonsense to suit their actions in their life or their inaction in their life, right? And people that don't use sponsors, they're missing out on fucking the benefits of what this program will give you, right? Sponsors are detrimentally important for your fucking personal growth. Because you can't see self from self. Even though you try to be objective, you won't be able to see the shit you need to see when you need to see it. And at some point, it might take you right the fuck out. Because you don't even know because you're living with the best of intentions. So any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly over and over and over. Okay. Step six, willingness to relinquish on all his faults, not just some of them, all of them. This is like an upper level thing. Without any reservations, without reserving. The without reservations in this is the hard part, right? It's, it's to try to get to the point where you're not even reserved on what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. You just do it. But practicing this takes time. Those things are really important. But what's the results of this? Has indeed come a long way spiritually. This is where you grow closer to God. It's through the relinquishment of the self. So when we talk about... Um, for if the alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through the work and self-sacrifice for others. What it's talking about in that sentence isn't... You just do some of the work here and then go out there and self-sacrifice self your time for others. It means self-sacrifice in the moment for others. What does that mean? It means, it means when that woman comes up to me and I know that I got free play with that shit, I fucking sacrifice my selfishness right here, right now. When somebody's fucking beacon off at me and I want to call him a fucking asshole, I fucking stop and I sacrifice my words in that moment for the benefit of them. Even though at that moment in my growth and recovery, it might not be for the benefit of them. It's because I'm told to have self-restraint. So I'm not loving and tolerant to him. I'm actually fucking tolerating him. But still, that is like, that's the beginning part. We got to tolerate people before you can build love and tolerance for them. Right? We have to resist certain things that really fucking want to take us there before we can grow into like going, no, I'm fucking, I totally don't need that shit. Right? <clears throat> so we got to start somewhere. And to be vital, faith alone is insufficient. To be vital must be accompanied by self-sacrifice. So the idea of God is insufficient. God's not close to me really. It's just an idea. To be vital very important, and to give me life in my life must be accompanied by that self-sacrifice in the moment because I get closer to God. And when I look at like uh, 
the behaviors that I run with, let's just say judgment of other people, maybe it has like a thousand components on top of my heart that make up judgment of others. As I sacrifice it in that moment, maybe only take off like one millimeter of that out of a thousand when I do it the first time. And then I do it another time and I take off another like millimeter of that the next time. But as I get better at it, I start feeling better and then I'll do it more later. And now I'm taking off like 50 millimeters of it and I get better and I get better. By the time it's all clear, I'm not fucking even judging you. I know that you're emotionally ill, spiritually sick and frequently wrong. And that's just where you're at. And I actually have some fucking tolerance for you. And I fucking will pray for you. And I'm not praying for you reluctantly like, fuck, I'm supposed to pray for this fucking asshole, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm actually praying because I do want the best for you. And I know that, that, that you're fucking hurting. That you didn't mean to say the shit to that person or to me. That it's just part of their illness, right? And when we look at, in the step 10, it talks about love and tolerance of others is our code. You can tie that sentence to page, I think it's 19 in the big book, where it says real love and true tolerance for others. Other people's shortcomings, viewpoints, and respect for their opinions are attitudes that make us more useful to others. So when I can respect your shortcomings, your viewpoints, your opinions, and not take them personally, because what is the shit that I take personally? Your actions and what you do, I'm fucking not into that. Or what your opinion is on a certain topic. I fucking disagree with it. Or your viewpoints on something. That's what I'm going to fight you over always, right? So when I can get to the place that other people shortcomings, viewpoints and respect for their opinions. I have a fucking respect that you have all your own opinions, your own viewpoints. Your own journey of life gives you your viewpoints, your opinions. Your shortcomings come from your traumas and your ideologies and what you fucking, you know. Once I know that, fuck, I'm just like... Who cares, right? It's funny because me and my girlfriend, when we first started dating, we talked about all these political things and I just didn't have an opinion. I just didn't even fucking care, right? And she's like, fuck, I want you to like argue with me. And I'm like, <laughs> other people's shortcomings, viewpoints and respect for your opinions, that people makes me more useful. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, I don't even care. Like, I really don't. Don't you care about like the kids in Africa? And don't you care about the dogs? And I'm like... Yeah, I do care, but I can't change fucking all of that. But what can I change? I can change me. And for me to change me, now I can be of service to you. And then maybe that person can be of service. And then that's how we change shit, right? For me to go out there and start using force, like, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, you're wrong. You need to get those rules out of there. That's not honoring other people's shortcomings, viewpoints, and respecting their opinions. And so I'm just creating more of what I fucking don't want, right? Because I'm using fear, I'm using anger, I'm using resentment, I'm using all the shit that I don't want to live in. So then I can actually do it in a different way. I can like teach people love and kindness and respect and all that shit. And then as time goes on, they become the other lights around. That's how we get change, right? Mm -hmm. So she's getting it. She's... She understands that I'm not really going to fight with her over <laughs> that dumb stuff. And she's fucking seeing it a different way too, right? I don't know. Have any of you guys ever seen the movie on YouTube or Netflix or Gaia called uh, 
Samadhi? No one? Samadhi? Go watch it tonight. Samadhi. I don't know. S A M H A H I something. I don't know. If you punch in Samadhi, however you phonetically pronounce it out, it'll come up. Or message me and I'll text it to you. Huh? Samadhi Road? No. Anybody else got Samadhi? There it is. It's called, okay, it's spelled S A M A D H I. Movie 2017, part one. There's two, two parts, but now there's three parts. Watch that movie, it'll blow your fucking mind. It's tough. Okay, I'll just, I'll Looks like that. It's on YouTube. Okay, so let's take a break. Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover one person, one family, one community at a time.